0: All right. If you guys have a Bible, if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter eighteen, and we'll be in verses four through twenty today. And you guys, while you while you are seated, if you could please pray pray this prayer with me, and then I'll I'll just read verses uh, four through twenty. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers hearers and keepers of this word. Revelation eighteen four through 20 Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sin, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as the heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. A mix of mix a double portion for her in the cup she is mixed as she glorifies herself and lived in luxury so give her a like measure of torment and mourning since in her heart she says i sit as a queen i am no widow and mourning i shall never see for this reason her plagues will come in a single day death and mourning and famine and she will be burned up with fire For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of earth who commit sexual immorality and live in the luxury with her will weep and wail over her and they will see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for a single hour your judgment has come. For in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold and silver, jewels, pearls, fine linens, purple cloth, silk, scarlet, Clothes And all kinds of scented wood and all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and slaves, that is human souls, the fruit for which your soul long has gone from you, and all your detestable, or your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you. The merchants of these wares uh, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters ma- ship and seafaring men, sailors, and all those who trade on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour, she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Amen. So we've seen in these last few chapters, we've seen idols will not last. No idol will last. And in the Bible, we've been promised that truth will last forever and ever. But lies, evil deeds false gods, all these things will just simply fade away and they will end in torment and judgment like it is told here. Jesus told us that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we get to live these out. And these things are the things that will last forever. That's why we practice living for Jesus every day and every moment of the day because all our deeds, all we do in His name will last forever and ever and everything else will not. After all, as Christians, we on earth here are Jesus' hands and his feet to this world. Jesus left us as reconcilers of this world to be his hands and his feet. And we've talked about the last few weeks about idols not lasting. And I've used common idols in our in our, um Day and age of power and money and influence to talk about many of the idols. And, the, and there are tons of other idols as well. But today I'd love to talk about the idol of economy. In part because the, uh, the, a great idol that we know that it won't last forever either. Because such economies of this world don't line up with the economies of the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is the one that will last forever. I really was uh, struck by this verse this week. The merchants of earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, and all shipmasters and seafaring men. And I, I, it struck me because it hit me that this is us. This is how we live. This is our economy. This is the way we work by selling and buying goods and. I mean we don't really grow our own food or didn't do any of that stuff anymore, and so this is how we live. And when things aren't going well, what do we do? We worry. We give in to fear. And and we give in to fear and we worry, but here we can see that they worried and they were broken because their idols, what they thought was gonna last forever has finally let them down. And they are mourning because what they thought would give them success or maybe has brought them what they deemed as success and gave them sustenance has let them down. They're trading and they're buying and they're making a profit. This is not just these things individually, but this is a way of life. And they put their first importance in the way of life and it it becomes a miserable failure. Think of this, all the money and gold and treasure and the purchasing power is all for naught in the end. It's all for nothing. It topples and they have seen and we've seen that we'd be good to see these idols as what they are is that even though they are gifts that we can use from God, if they are preeminent in our lives, they will ultimately fail us. And I think that um, many in in our day and age have faith in the economy, the ability to buy and sell and the GDP and all that fun stuff. And we actually uh, oftentimes will rate countries based on what they can produce and what they can sell and what they can give to the world. And many have faith in the systems and and it supports their families and their well-being. And many have, um, I'd say this too, many have faith in their jobs. Like this isn't going to go away. Ever and and this is their way of life and folks think that um, it is because of their well their uh, their ability to make money and provide that that's where they get their sustenance and that's where they get their um, their identities from and we see this where even may some may give lip service to God give lip service to God as as the one who has blessed them they think that they've earned all their material goods all that they have. By their own abilities and efforts. And yet, this is still something that we can see as a gift of grace. As God takes away the economy, he takes away the way that we do things. We get to learn that we rely on our work. and our, if, we, if we rely on our work and our money and our ways, we will be disappointed and we will mourn our losses that, that we have. And when the reality is that God is inviting us, I believe, to see that He is our everything. He's been trying to tell us from the first words of the Bible, in the beginning was God. So before everything else, there was God. And if we make, oftentimes, I I, I see this quite a bit, and I'm pretty sure I've done it too, so I I don't want to just stand in total judgment, even though I'm going to stand in a little bit of judgment. But we've seen people make the bible fit into the system that they use to live rather than the other way around and i think that we can see here when when we try and do it it's a sad thing the bible is trying to show us from page 1 to the last page and we're almost in the last pages of the bible that the way god's kingdom works is vastly different than the world that we live in justifying our ways by using the bible is not the way to do things we line up to what the scriptures tell us we, don't, and we strive to live for Jesus, but Jesus, if we think about it and look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can see that Jesus didn't fit into the, this world and its ways when he walked on earth. Think about how Jesus paid taxes. Well, go and get a coin from the fish and went and got a coin from the fish and paid his taxes. And, the, and not just Jesus didn't fit into the world when he walked in on earth, he still doesn't fit into the, the world and the way it works today either. And all those who are mourning are living by faith. Or they're living by sight and not by faith. What they've been able to see is that they work, they earn, uh, but when all that is stripped away and they're not able to work or earn, they feel empty. When the economic systems are destroyed and they're revealed as empty, there will be much worry and lamenting. In fact, as I was thinking about it, in 1929 here in the United States, there was a massive stock market crash. And it was billions of dollars back in 1929, which is probably tens of billions or hundreds of billions now, right? A lot of money was lost. And so many um, people and their companies lost their entire fortunes that they'd amassed, that they'd put their faith and their trust in. Jobs were lost. And this was the start of the Great Depression and people who lost all not all people but there was many people who when they lost it all what did they do they jumped to their deaths out of tall buildings that's what they did they jumped out of they jumped out of buildings i remember seeing a picture of this one as a kid being blown away as like how can that be that important how can money be that important because they felt as though there was nothing more to live for The system that they depended on had let them down. And when we lose money or we lose a job or lose our ability to provide, we don't have to live by sight. We can live by faith that God will continue to provide. We can live by faith, not the misplaced faith that we have in ourselves, our own abilities, or our own education or any of that stuff, but by faith. The faith that God has things in control and we can trust him because he is good and he is the one that ultimately has all things in his hands, that it's not about us and our abilities. And as then as we learn to trust him, we seek him out because as we seek first God's kingdom and that's a kingdom that doesn't look like our world. And as we follow what God has for us, the rest will be given to us. That is what uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all this will be added to you because the kingdom of God doesn't need to run on purchasing power or uh, or abilities. It doesn't run on fear or worry or even sight. God's kingdom runs. It does run with love, with hope, with faith and joy and grace and God's ability to provide all those things to those who live and believe and rely on Him. We don't have to mourn or worry the loss of things. I know that this kind of like, I was thinking about this, we don't have to mourn or worry the loss of things. And it sounds so trite as if it's an easy thing to do. And it, but it's not easy to live without worry or mourning if we lose our jobs or our ability to make money. If we lose a, a job or something, I'm not suggesting that we throw like a I lost my job party and rejoice in it. But we can rather seek first the kingdom of God, pay attention to what God is doing in our lives and in our midst and work and act according to how he would have us work and act in the next steps that he would fa- know, uh, have for us, because we can know and be certain that our sustenance doesn't come from our job or our money or our stuff. It doesn't come from our goods or our deeds. Those things are not our God, and our sustenance does not come from uh, our sustenance does not come from them. It comes from our good, good Father who is willing to give His gifts. I love that. God's kingdom is not a prosperity gospel where God is going to bless you with all the riches of wealth in this lifetime. If you just believe hard enough, that's not what God's kingdom is. In God's kingdom, the persecuted are blessed. In God's kingdom, um, it's better to give than receive. In God's kingdom is not a prosperity gospel where you just if you pray hard enough, believe hard enough, God will give you whatever you want. But on the other hand, God's kingdom is also not a poverty gospel either, where we have where we have to give every earthly blessing away and live in poverty as if that's a sign of holiness. God's kingdom is the kingdom of his provision, and our acknowledgment whether we have a little or or we have a lot, it's all a gift that gets to be used for his glory. We have this we have this book that we use to pray th- Or in the other day, it said, Lord, uh, take everything that I have so I can honor you or something like that. And I thought, that's not it, actually. Lord, let us recognize that everything that we have is yours and for your purposes. And whether you give us a little bit or you give us a lot, let us live for your glory. And in God's kingdom, it is better to give than receive. In God's kingdom, it is the last who will be first And the first will be last. In God's kingdom, the persecuted are blessed. And in God's kingdom, we get to be as little children. And we all have been around little children. And we know the questions that they ask. And every now and again, a kid will ask a silly question. That's what we get to do to God as well. We get to be childish in in front of God. And that's actually where we get our strength is being fully reliant and dependent on God as He is our Father and we are His children. But we get to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The first part of this scripture is saying like, Don't give in to the idols. Don't give in to this way. Let's let's get out of that and let's walk with God in His ways. And we get to repent and seek first the kingdom of God. We get to live in the reality of God's kingdoms and its differences from our kingdom. Because not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. So we get to live for his kingdom, towards his kingdom, with humility and dependence on God for all things. That's what we get to live. Here in this section of Revelation, we are seeing that what is at the end of living as the world lives, all ends in destruction and devastation. And it happens quickly. It happens very quickly. It's something that shocks everybody and causes mourning. It is something that the kingdom of men have held up as over exaggerated in their own power, in their own position, that they attempt to hold everything in their lives. And it's over exaggerated by a long shot because at the end of the day, the ways of mankind and their kingdoms will be wiped out. They'll be wiped out. They will not last forever. And in this, we as Christians, we don't mourn because we rejoice that the opposite is also true, that the kingdom of mankind are something that in this sermon series, for the most of Revelation, I've called empires. I've called empires because we can have empires and nations, but we can also build our own many empires. They have tricked us and deceived us for far too long. And this is, Deception can't exist in the fullness of God's kingdom. And we get to rejoice in that. I thought about it this way. Empires are systems that have tried to control and manipulate its people. It claims to do this for the good of the majority. But it's been kingdoms. uh, But it's been the kingdoms of the most powerful who rule over the weakest. Empires are systems all about their own glory and their own welfare. And even if they say they care, at the end of the day, they don't care who will be destroyed and they can maintain their illusion of goodness. This is what empires do. Empires want to claim their beauty and benefits to all people who live under their rule and reign, but they cover up the ugly that is actually there time and time again, not willing to give it air and, and and thought, or even try and fix some of it. Empires and their mission, their their purposes uh, and protection are supposed to be seen as divine, and they're supposed to be seen as like godlike in their service. And yet they let us down. Empires grow through conquest and destruction, and of um, uh, another weaker state, or conquest and just kind of ruling over it, letting it be. The state, but then they take it away or they they're ruling, but we can see that empires. And this is what I love about revelation, that empires expire because of their own making. They have never lasted. If we think about like great nations throughout history, none of them have lasted very long and they won't. Uh, and they won't, they always eat themselves up. And in the end, we can see that they, don't, uh, that they don't exist forever. They can't fulfill the purposes that they lay out before us. That they say all this that they're trying to do for us. That's why we don't put our faith in government. We put our faith in God because only God and his kingdom can do these things with perfect intentions and without sin and idolatry blocking its way. In the section's upcoming in Revelation, we will see what the kingdom of God is like in in more complete fullness. It gives gives people uh, true freedom. It doesn't destroy goodness, but it holds goodness because God alone is good. It is truly beautiful where nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. God sees us for who we truly are, and he says, you're my beloved. And so it takes away the shame that wants to be hidden. And God's kingdom is truly run by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, true divinity, not the divinity of some make-believe kingdom. And in the coming sections, we will see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in His kingdom. And in God's kingdom, they conquer not by the sword, but by losing, just like Jesus did. Jesus conquered sin, Satan, and death, and the empires they serve by what? Instead of demanding our lives, he gives up his life and offers it even to his enemy through repentance and grace. I've said this before, but in this section of scriptures, we've seen Jesus repeatedly offer his hand of grace to his enemies. Those who have mocked him and scolded him and told him that he's never worthy of being God. He's offering them grace to turn away from their evil ways. Repentance and forgiveness is always offered in God's kingdom. So that's, we get to rely on it. What Jesus did on the cross is the way of God's kingdom for us here on earth. Through his death, we are given life. What looked like losing was our victory. From his blood that was spilled, our life comes. His broken body was given so that ours might be made whole. Jesus is a servant of excellent reputation and design. He doesn't take from us, but he gives us his everything, not only heaven, but a well-lived life. And he gives us abundance, not necessarily the abundance that this kingdom here on earth sees, but he gives us abundance and he wants our well-being right now and forevermore. This is who our Jesus is. And he wants us to know that our well-being and our sustenance comes from him, not from any other place. We are not made by our own hands. We are made by God's hands. He knit us each together in our mother's wombs. And that isn't to say, though, that, um, that we don't do some things along the way. We do, we do have work, but we believe that everything we do is with a new heart and new desire. So even in our work, we get to honor God with our work. And I actually think about this in two ways. I actually think our church is very good at this, to be honest with you. In our conversations about good works we've had the last uh, over the last month, there have been a few comments and attitudes that have really blessed me and I think model this very, very well. And, and by the way, I'm just going to use a couple examples, but I think this church does this well. I, I thought about... This week as I was putting this together, I thought about Aaron and his work at PUD. Because I've heard, Aaron, I've heard you talk about this time and time again, where you do math to the glory of God, which blows me away because it's math. I don't know how that's possible, but that's the only way to do that. You've talked, we've had discussions where you've shown that like, look, God designed this. And now I get to use this so that I can help do this job where people are, are, being provided a service. But you've also expressed to me, and I think you expressed it the other, the other a couple of weeks ago, really, really well. And I'm not going to be able to do it justice, but you do this as a service to God. And that's a blessing. That's a witness to all of us that you use your abilities, your gifts to serve God. And I've heard you time and time again, acknowledge his abilities and his gifts um, that are given to you. And then you just get to steward them. I've heard you acknowledge this, maybe not in these words, but um, and I've seen you over the years do this, that you've nurtured um, God's grace in this, and it's a beautiful thing. And it models that when this economic system fails, at least you're still serving God. And another example I have is a couple of weeks ago, when Suzanne, when I asked you about God's role in your, your role in God's kingdom. And you said, I loved it because you said it without hesitation. You said, oh yeah, that's Starbucks. That's me working at Starbucks. And I smile at people in the name of God. And I think that, Oftentimes, your customers don't get very many smiles, and people say, you're the only one that I'm smiling, and where you're not sitting there going, this smile comes from Jesus. Uh, It does, and you use it for God's glory. And I believe that even as you serve God by smiling, not for your own benefit, but to show the love of Christ to others, others recognize this smile as different. Different than other people's, even with the masks on. I'm sure they can still they can still see that it's different and i believe i firmly believe that this is kingdom work this is w- living in this kingdom that we have here on earth and but that we're seeing it our work as god's gift our service to god and our jobs are simply vessels for us to be used by god and i love it and i and i think that again i think that in many conversations that i've had with everybody else in this church that I could share many other ways that we view this. But this is God's gift, and we get to maintain God's goodness and grace through the ways that we work, through the ways that even we work in this empire, but not for this empire. We work for God's kingdom, and we're trying to live out God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, like we pray every week. So, Lord, as we come before you, may we live for your kingdom over against our kingdom. May we live for your kingdom over against the kingdoms that are trying to win our allegiance. And Lord, may we just be, uh, live lives that glorify you forever and ever. And we know that, Lord, as we offer our, our simple gifts, Lord, we can never repay you, but we don't have to because you just simply have given your life so that we might serve you and love you and walk with you. And Lord, may we do this More wholeheartedly, in Jesus' name, amen.